1: You're listening to a Zweig Letter Podcast exclusive, putting architectural, engineering, planning, and environmental consulting guru, Mark Zweig, and his team of experts, Straight Talk, in your ear. Mark has more than 30 years of experience helping AEP and environmental firms thrive. And these podcasts deliver his invaluable management, industry, client, and HR advice directly to you, free of charge. The Zweig Letter podcasts let you develop professionally, wherever you are.
0: Hey, folks, this is Randy Wilburn here with Zwei Group. We are about to get started with session number three, making your firm a great place to work. Um, listen, I, I just want to put a disclaimer out there that we really apologize for some of the technical difficulties that we've had with a few of the live um, versions of this Becoming a Better Recruiter webinar series. Um, we are trying to do these recordings, Um uh, and then put them up and make them available to everyone that's participating in this webinar series. Um, what we're finding is that it's a little bit easier. The quality is better uh, and that you're able to see it without any problems. The the The, the downside to that is that you are not able to um, uh, do live questions and answers. And so because of that, want to encourage you up front, and I'll talk about it throughout the um, the, the, the time that I'm with you today, um, use the hashtag BBRWebinar or the hashtag Zweig group if you want to ask any questions, whether on Twitter or Facebook or pretty much any social media place where you are. We are monitoring um, those social media portals um, for those hashtags, BBRWebinar and uh, hashtag Zweig group. To just um, see if anybody has any questions related to this uh, becoming a better recruiter webinar series, but um, that's that's enough for that. I don't like to dwell in the, the the past or any of the major challenges. We're here now. Let's just have a great uh, let's have a great time with this session uh, session number three. Um, again, I just want to introduce myself. My name is Randy Wilburn. I am the director of the executive search group here at Zweig Group. Uh, we're based in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Uh, we've got uh, people around the country and um, this is our home base here. And so I'm excited to be with you. This is my second go around with Zweig Group. Uh, I was formerly with uh, an owner and with Zwig White and Associates. And I left prior to our uh, acquisition back in 2004, but I'm back now and um, just really excited about what, what's happening with the firm. So just a little bit about Zweig Group, because I, I mean, again, those of you that are watching this, some of you may know who we are. Some of you may not know who we are. Uh, we've been in business since 1988. Uh, we were recently rebranded from Zweig White to Zweig Group. Um, and our focus has ex- always been the architecture, engineering, planning and environmental consulting, and now construction industry exclusively. That is our niche. And as management consultants, that's the uh, the group of people that we work with. We usually tend to use the words design industry, but those are the people, anybody that's doing anything related to infrastructure in this country or elsewhere, um, you're our client. And so we're excited um, to to be able to provide you with the most up-to-date and timely information you to run your businesses more efficiently. Um, Obviously, we come from your your industry and that's really important to us. Um, We don't consider ourselves to be um, uh, one hit wonders when it comes to talking about the different challenges that this industry faces. And a lot of what we teach, we put into practice. And so that's that's very important. Um, One of the other things that we really uh, that we look at as a crowning achievement for us is the fact that uh, we've been named to the Inc. Magazine 500 5,000 list of fastest-growing privately held companies um, three times. We got there, and uh, and that's that's really exciting in and of itself. And the most recent time was um, 2013. And so uh, you know, it's 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 certainly an honor to get that kind of recognition. But um, those that those labels, that recognition is great. But the reality of of what we hope that it speaks to our clients and to those that are out there in the marketplace uh, looking at us from afar is that we practice what we preach. uh, And certainly, as management consultants, we try to put into practice a level of excellence in how we run our business and also how our clients run their business. And um, that is um, really something that we stand behind. And we've been able to embody that um, through the acknowledgement of an award like the Inc. 500, 5000. So and then, you know, at the end of the day, our motto or mission statement, if you will, is simply that we exist to make our clients more successful, period, end of story. There's not much else that we focus on beyond that is that your success is our success. And so um, for those of you that are taking part in this, as I might mind, uh, might add, a free webinar, this whole series is free. You know, our goal is to, is to help you out, especially in this area of talent acquisition, especially in this area of recruitment and retention. And, you know, I talk to people all the time from all across the country and they all have some of the same things to say about how challenging it is to find good people here in the design industry, no matter where you're looking. And so, you know, I totally get it. We're dealing with a very finite resource of people uh, in disciplines across, you know, across the way. And so, it's important for us to recognize that every time we go out um, and and try to represent our company in the marketplace, that we have to do it in a way that attracts people to it. Um, And and it's really really important. And that's one of the reasons why we put on this. Becoming a Better Recruiter webinar series, we really want you to think about every aspect of what it means to to build a solid organization that is attractive to those people that may ultimately find themselves working with you. And so um, session number one, we had a chance to talk about just the overall process of recruitment and retention. And session number two, we talked about recruitment relationships and marketing and the importance of that. And, you know, what, what does it, what does it mean to, um, to to uh build relationships in the industry and specifically in your sphere of influence and how you build those relationships and how sometimes not only will those relationships lead to new work but they also may lead to uh new talent that you might acquire and so that is um that is really important and now today we're going to really talk about um making your firm a great place to work. And what does that actually mean? And so we are, you know, we're going to spend some time kind of walking through that and, you know, giving you the lay of the land with regard to how you can purposefully and intentionally build your organization so that it is a uh, talent magnet, uh, if you will. So the first thing is, you know, when you think about what, what a great place to work is, I mean, what does that mean to you? A lot of people say, well, Randy, what, you know, we think we're a great place to work. And I I totally understand that. Um, You know, we kind of came up with a number of things that a great place to work is and a number of things that a great place to work is not. A great place to work, first of all, is a place where the owners, managers are committed to growing. Um, That's right. I said it. Growth is important um, in, 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 in the work environment and in an organization obviously if you're a business a small business you are your goal is to grow larger than what you are um we do see individuals and we see firms in this industry that don't necessarily agree with this that just like to get by and and uh, and maintain what they have but the idea here is that we're, we we enjoy working with firms that are aggressively trying to grow and part part of the attractive nature of a firm to an outside individual that may want to work there is whether or not that firm is growing. And so we would certainly consider a great place to work uh, an organization that is is actively growing. Um, A great place to work is not a place where people are obsessed with maintaining control over everything. And and simply what I mean by that is that as a leader, it doesn't necessarily mean that you let off the reins and you kind of give people free will and let them do what they want to do. Um, actually, it's quite the contrary. Um, the idea is that as a leader, uh, we are encouraging firms to uh, allow the cream to rise to the top, if you will, and to give people the opportunity um, to do new things and to give people uh, a level of rope, not to hang themselves, but to try new things within the organization. And, and you know, I, I always tell people that if you're going to fail, fail forward and not backwards. And I think it's really important within an organization, you have to ask yourself, what kind of culture um, comes out of our organization? Is it one of control? Is it one of uh, micromanagement? Or are we a culture of uh, trying new things? Are we a culture of opportunity uh, where we allow people to, we give them the basic tools that they need to succeed, but then we say at the end of the day, we trust you, and we're giving you the opportunity to go out and make something of the tools that we've given you, uh, and so it's really important um, for for you uh, in terms of trying to mold your organization and mold your company, and and to try to make it a great place to work is to really think about that because again, no one wants to work for someone that's going to micromanage them from start to finish. I mean, it's it's just not it's not a great environment to be in. And nowadays, when individuals really have their pick of the litter when it comes to good firms to work for, you certainly wanna stand out in that area. Um, Another thing is that a great place to work is not a place that just focuses on pay and benefits. Uh, it's if it were just about the money um that would be easy right we would all just we would all just pay these engineers and architects and landscape architects and planners and environmental consultants a lot of money and they would come work with us but the reality is is that it's more it's it's more than just the money it's more than just uh the benefits um it is the it is coming into a location coming into Uh, an organization on a daily basis and being excited about being there. And so that's another aspect of uh, a great place to work is is that it's not just an organization or a place that focuses solely on pay and benefits. You know, a great place to work is a place where the owners and managers, where the owners and managers offer tremendous opportunities to all of its staff. Um, It doesn't matter whether uh, an individual is just starting out in the admin department or or whether they are a a senior department manager. The bottom line is that uh, your firm should offer tremendous opportunities across the bandwidth or spectrum of employment there. Um, That is that is what usually allows people to gravitate um, towards uh, your organization as opposed to maybe going somewhere else and working. Uh, a great place to work is a place where everyone is treated with respect. Um, I can't tell you the number of stories that I hear of people that feel like uh, they're being, as I said earlier, micromanaged, um, that they are not treated with a great deal of respect and are really um, treated more like chattel than they are like employees. And, and you know, it, certainly those days are over and, and we, you know, the industrial age has changed a lot and we are in the age of information now and everything is led and, and, and managed by ones and zeros. And there's so much data and information out there. And we need to be smart um, about how we handle uh, the people that are working with us so that they don't pick up and walk away and go work somewhere else. You know, and another thing is a great place to work is a place with great pay and benefits and the ability to recognize and reward excellence even before an annual review happens. And, you know, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the statistics that we have found um, uh, through our recruitment and retention um, survey that we did uh, this year. But, you know, it's very important that a a great place to work is a firm where, you know, what if if so-and-so is doing a good job, if John or Sally are just knocking it out of the park and it's February or March, I know you're only three months into the year, but you're not going to wait until December to acknowledge them and give them the add-a-boy, a girl and you know here's your three percent bump in salary. The reality is, is that you may want to think about uh, giving them a bump in salary at that point in time. Um, we have for years consulted our clients about implementing a program like that, where um, increases in salary are meted out over the course of a year, and not just. Um, at that time at the end of the year where everybody gets their raise or everybody gets their bonus, or maybe they don't get a raise or a bonus. Um, I think it's really important for firms to think long and hard about how they meet out that process. Here at Zweig, we again, we practice what we preach. Um, you know, certain individuals in our organization can, can stand to get multiple increases in salary over the course of the year. Um, you know, it's not unheard of to, to ha- have someone get three or four or maybe even five raises in a year. If, if the work meets the burden of proof then we reward people because we don't want individuals guessing whether or not we value them as as an employee in the organization. And so uh, obviously one way to value them is to increase their salary. Obviously another way to value them is to provide great benefits. Another way to value them is, as I said earlier, is to give them that extra freedom uh, to do things uh, that they need to do within the scope of of, of, um, of their job description. Uh, and maybe even in some of those areas that's not necessarily directly in their job description, but with, within the scope of the work that the organization is doing. I always think about Google and the way that they have set up uh, their work conditions and work environment uh, for their employees, and, and while I understand it, and you know, I'm not suggesting that um, firms in the design industry are akin to a tech firm. Uh, it's a, it's just a, I know it's a different dynamic, but just understand that you know, even at Google, a place like that where those guys work considerable hours. Uh, each and every employee is given an opportunity to work on a pet project if you will uh, and and that is part of their their workflow and so you know not that you you know XYZ engineering firm is gonna you know go out and give some of their you know project engineers or project architects um, you know all this extra time to work on pet projects that, that are near and dear to their heart but it's just the idea behind it you know maybe there are some ways for you to implement, Um, Some of that within your organization and and allow individuals um, to kind of do some cool things that keep them engaged at all times. And maybe it's not necessarily allowing them to take on a pet project. Maybe it's you as an organization giving your people time to go out um, and volunteer. Uh, with programs that mean the most to them, and so you allow Chuck or Sally or Bob or Nancy, uh, if they are heavily involved in a nonprofit organization, to maybe take off one one day a month or once every quarter um, to go and volunteer their time, you know, um, for something that really matters to them. And I know some of you may be doing that already, um, but that is that is certainly an option that you have uh, to try to implement. And, and speak to your employees by saying to them, look, what, what you care about, we care about. And the things that you wanna do and the things that you wanna achieve, we wanna try to help you do them both within the framework of your job description, but also from a personal development stand, stand, standpoint. And we're gonna talk a little bit more later about personal development and what that looks like. Uh, And why, you know, we are certainly encouraging firms to take time, not just to develop their people professionally, but also to develop them personally. Close to two thirds of firms surveyed 65 percent. and This is one of those statistics I talked about. Give raises through a formal salary wage review process. And, you know, this is from the 2016 ZY Group Recruitment and Retention Survey. This is an amazing survey. And, and certainly, I don't want to put a commercial in the middle of this um, uh, webinar, but this is a great survey for you to check out. And if you have any questions or want to find out uh, additional information about this, I'll, I'll make sure that you have my contact information at the end to reach out to me. And whatever questions you have about this survey, I'll be more than happy Uh, To share that information with you. Um, While I'd love for you to buy the book, um, I just want to make sure you have the information so that you can make informed decisions about how you run your organization, especially as it pertains to talent acquisition, recruitment, retention. Um, Those are really important matters. We have a couple of other statistics from this survey that we'll share during this um, program. A great place to work, recruits from within. And this is one of the things that I'm always asking firms about whenever they call us. I mean, obviously, I'm a recruiter. That's the thing that we do. I have a team of recruiters that work with me. And firms call me all the time looking for new talent or looking for to fill this senior position or looking to fill that mid-level position or this junior position. And a lot of times, the first thing out of my mouth is... Um, Do you have anyone internally that might be appropriate for this position before you start going and looking outside uh, of the organization? And, you know, most of the times we'll, you know, a client will say to us, well, we've, we've tried, we've tried internally to find somebody and we've just not been successful. And I get it. I mean, every position that you need to fill is not going to be fillable by somebody internally, but I would, I would, I would venture to say to you, that as an organization, you should bend over backwards to try to make opportunities available to your current staff. I cannot tell you how much that will build a a level of trust, uh, that will build a level of support that you will get from your employees uh, when they see that you are first looking internally to um, raise up someone within your organization before you go outside the organization to try to hire somebody. So uh, I want you know I certainly want to recommend that you consider that first and foremost. And 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 uh, I mean it's just it is just um, you know there are a lot of people in your organization. Some of them may not necessarily have um, the the all of the ingredients that you're looking for today. But that doesn't mean that they won't have those ingredients in the next two or three or four years. And so, you know, they understand the culture of your organization. Uh, They understand their role and what they have to do. And so some of these individuals, um, these diamonds in the rough that you may be encountering on a regular basis that I know from time to time may drive you crazy, depending on their personality or other proclivities. But the bottom line is some of these individuals may be your future leaders, And so you certainly want to treat them with kid gloves and give them the opportunities that they deserve to have um, within your organization when and where possible. So, you know, when I talk about a great place to work and I want to continue this whole idea, you know, I I, I always think of someone like a Paul Greenhagen, who is now the CEO of Westwood Professional Services, um, very, very dynamic um, design firm, Uh, They've got offices in Minnesota. They've got offices in Arizona. Um, They're doing work all over the country. They are growing through acquisition. And Paul Greenhagen is now the CEO of this 300 plus person firm. And the thing that's really great about Paul and his story is that he started out as a survey manager for Westwood Professional Services. He's not even a licensed engineer. He was started out as a survey manager Um, He worked his way up um, doing land surveying for uh, Westwood. Uh, He built a large group in the survey department and then he expanded out. And as opportunities presented themselves to him, he continued to progress throughout the company to the point where I believe it was in 2006 or 2007, he was made CEO of Westwood Professional Services. Uh, we work with them quite a bit, and, and a number of initiatives. But Paul is is a great friend of the firm, but he's also a great tale or story of how you grow someone from within. And uh, we'll put some contact information out there for Paul uh, in the show notes of this video, as well as online. Uh, I'm going to be sharing with you a um, a link later on uh, at the end of this presentation, where you'll be able to get some additional information and tips. Uh, And it's the same tips um, sheet that I'm going to share with you throughout the duration of this Becoming a Better uh, Recruiter webinar series. Uh, You'll be able to go to that. It will be live even after this event is over on November 1st, and you'll always have access to this information. But there is where I will put contact information for Paul just to kind of talk with him. If you'd ever like to get information on how he did it, And he rose to the ranks to become CEO of Westwood Professional Services. I've also had the pleasure of interviewing him on the Zweig Letter podcast audio series. Um, If you want to check that out, you can just go um, to SoundCloud and look up Zweig, the Zweig Letter podcast, or you can go to iTunes uh, or you can go to Stitcher. Um, and just check it out there and just listen and then type in um, Paul Greenhagen and you'll find the interview that we did with him. It was an amazing interview and he talked about his rise through the ranks as well as, you know, all the cool things that uh, Westwood Professional Services is doing right now. So that is an example of what it means to grow someone from the inside. Um, You know, you may have a Paul Greenhagen in your organization and you need to figure out how to nurture that individual and how to grow them up so that they don't leave. And secondly, so that you show them how valuable they are to your organization and ultimately what they mean to the, f- the future of what you're trying to do uh, with your company. So another thing about A Great Place to Work is that it establishes professional and personal development programs for employees. And I, I, I hinted at this earlier, Uh, Obviously, from a professional development standpoint, a lot of you are participating on this webinar, which is going to provide you with some continuing education credits. Now, if this had cost you money, maybe your firm would have sprung for you to participate in that. I mean, we have a lot of seminars that we do around the country that firms pay thousands of dollars for their people to attend. But all those professional development programs and seminars do is help to grow your people to be better employees. Uh, to be better at what they do and to grow as individuals. But the other side of it is that personal development is just as important uh, in terms of setting up a program for employees. And there was a statistic that I found from uh, a financial literacy organization that said that for every dollar, and this is just in the area of, of financial fitness, for every dollar a company spends on financial fitness from a personal development perspective for their employees, so like maybe doing a Dave Ramsey financial peace at work program or something along those lines that helps to develop um, the to helps to develop your employees uh, and help them maybe with their budgets and things of that nature. Those programs pay back a three on a three to one ratio. So for every every dollar a company spends in personal development in the arena of financial fitness. Um, the company gets three dollars back in terms of having um, a much more satisfied employee who who may or may not now be out of debt after participating in a program like this and may be in a in a, in a place where they can more focus they can they can hyper focus on the work that they're doing uh, at work and not, be consumed by you know some of the financial challenges that they may be facing in their personal life, and I get it. You know everybody has bills, but not everybody is in debt. And if if you as an organization um, decide to put on, say for instance, a financial fitness program, and you help some of your employees get to a place where they were once in debt and now they're out of debt, can you imagine the the amount of loyalty that that builds with your people? Um, it is tremendous. I mean it, to me, a financial fitness program internally is one of one of the best retention tools that a company can implement in their organization um, to build some loyalty and also just to communicate back to their people that look, we care about you both in the office and outside the office. And uh, there are statistics to prove that uh, an employee that is out of debt, or doesn't have the specter of debt hanging over their heads, whether it's student loans or anything else, is a better employee. You're able to get more out of them and they're able to work at a clip uh, because they're not encumbered by a lot of those personal issues. And I'm not saying that every personal development program you institute is going to instantly change people overnight. but. But for the amount of money that it for the for the amount of money that it costs an organization to institute some of these personal programs, it's 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 peanuts compared to the return on investment that you get. So I would really encourage you to think about that. Another thing that uh, I always like to talk about in terms of what makes a great place to work uh, is the idea of considering open book management uh, as an option for sharing company information. And I know a lot of you are probably rolling your eyes. As you hear this, whether you're a leader in your firm or whether you're an HR and you're wondering, how could you ever sell that to the leadership in your organization? Because they just don't want to share that information. Um, Obviously, of course, we practice what we preach here at ZWI Group. Uh, We operate from an open book management um, perspective. Pretty much everybody here, my colleagues, uh, everyone, we all know how the company is doing month in and month out, and we share in that information. The only information we don't share or we don't make public are salaries. Um, I'm aware of the salaries of everyone on my team because I'm the one that sets them and uh, works on giving them raises and, and such. But when it comes to the whole company, each department is responsible for their area as well as the leadership of the firm. But we don't get into sharing salary information with everybody. And that would be the one area that would be an exception to this whole idea of open book management. But outside of that, absolutely. You know, let folks know how you guys are doing from a revenue standpoint. Um, You know, we talk about how we do based on on a cash basis as well as on an accrual basis, so we can understand. You know, when we have to carry something over from one month to the next because maybe we had a bad month or or there was a loss or something like that. I mean, there's so many benefits to open book management and how uh, it can help uh, create a level of transparency with your employees, and also in some ways, you know, especially if you're having some challenges financially or just things are a little slow and people are aware of it, you'd be surprised the extra effort that you'll see from your employees because you're sharing you know, some of the financial picture of where the company is. All of a sudden... More and more cars are in the parking lot in the evening and that people are coming in on the weekends to get things done because everybody has an eye towards the goal that the leadership is put, is setting up. And a lot of times they can do that when they have the information. So, open book management is something seriously to consider, and you know, and in our minds at Zweig, we think a great place to work is a place that operates with an open book management standpoint. And again, you can determine within your board or within your group of leaders. Um, what information you want to share, but I would certainly tell you that something is better than nothing and If you wait till the end of the year to give someone a report and then you're surprised at the overall um, ability or lack thereof of employees to kind of get the bigger picture of where things stand financially, don't be surprised, especially if you're not sharing the information, how would they know so it's just something that you need to ask yourself and it's something that you really need to think about. The uh, the next thing is that um, we you know a great place to work provides the technology and tools necessary to ensure talent acquisition success. And um, what I mean by that is that you know obviously uh, you guys need to be thinking about providing credit cards where possible if need be. Um, you know it shouldn't be an issue about cell phones um, <clears throat> things along those lines. I'm always surprised, and again, this is not a technology or tool, but you know when it comes to food and things of that nature in your organization, you don't necessarily have to put hire a chef uh, and have somebody making you know um, specialized Caesar salads every day and you know having all this free food available, but it would be nice to make some food available. I still see and a lot of old line engineering and architectural firms, and I'll go visit them and I'll walk into their kitchen and there is a soda machine there that costs money. There may be even be a coffee machine that costs money. There may be a vending machine (laughs) that costs money. Uh, You should get rid of those as quickly as you can. If you can't figure out a way to provide some basic snacks, basic beverages, to your employees, um, who and especially to people that are spending hours upon hours, that spend more time with you than they sometimes do with their family. Well, you know, I'm not going to say it, but shame on you. Don't take it the wrong way. I'm not scolding you, but I am saying you need to think long and hard about it. And if that's you, uh, and 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 you know who you are, uh, and like I said, I've been to many, many, many a firm uh, throughout this country, and I've seen it. Um, you know think long and hard about that if you're collecting money to to raise money for sodas and what have you in the office you know what eat that expense and get your folks some soda get them some some healthy drinks healthy beverages maybe some spring water whatever it takes um you know it's it's you know I understand that 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 everybody's on a budget and you've got to watch you know you got to watch your nickels and dimes it all adds up. But at the end of the day if i come and work at a place where i know you know what oh i forgot to bring so-and-so but that's okay because they've got some lean cuisine meals in the fridge that anyone can have or you know i forgot to bring in something to drink and that's okay they've got some some sparkling water in the fridge or some oj or whatever you fill in the blanks makes a big difference for individuals knowing that you're the kind of organization that does that and um i was at a firm recently a client of ours um, they actually, they actually. Here's some cool things that they do um, to really take care of their people. Um, one of the things that they do is um, they have uh, an on-site uh, dry cleaner. So the dry cleaner comes and picks up the clothes for their employees. Now they don't pay for the dry cleaning, but because they get it at a bulk rate, I believe that the that the employees of that firm get a, a significant discount than if they were to walk into a dry cleaner's uh to get their clothes clean um they have an outstanding coffee machine that's almost akin to having a barista from starbucks there and yeah it cost a couple of thousand dollars and it costs a little bit to maintain Um, and and of course a lot of you are working in a coffee culture type firm where everybody has to have their coffee i know i do in the morning but the bottom line is that um you know a system like that goes a long way and pays for itself in spades. Um, and then of course, uh, this firm also did something that I really thought was interesting and I've also told other firms about that, is that they've brought in a specialist that, that, um, that grows organic food. And that individual comes in several times a month with um, all types of groceries uh, that the people in the office can pick up. And they actually have a service now where employees who are busy working a lot and can't always find the time to get out and go to the the Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or you you fill in the blank grocery store. Um, They are actually bringing groceries into the organization. The people still pay for them, but they're able to do some of their shopping right there. And again, these are just some unique ways that firms are setting themselves apart. And so, um, you know, when I have to recruit for a company that has all those extra bells and whistles, and I start to relay that information to a potential candidate, you can only see, I wish I could show you how wide their eyes open when they hear this, especially when you look at what the norm is in our industry. And I would say that the barrier to entry is is very low. So it's not like you know, I'm suggesting that you go out and do something that's going to cost you thousands upon thousands of dollars to implement in your organization. But just incrementally start with something. Free soda, how about that? And then let's just go after you do free soda. Let's just give them some free chips. And after we do free chips, let's see how that goes for a while. Let's throw in some crackers, and then let's go with some 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 lean cuisine. Um, um, uh, meals or in some other stuff that you can throw into your freezer. And before you, before long, you'll see people saying, you know what? I, I'm not going to leave for lunch. I'm just going to grab a lean cuisine and get back to work because I've got a deadline to work on. And I don't have to worry about going out for lunch because my company provides these little benefits for me. Again, um, you, you have to determine what you can do within the, the scope and confines of your organization. But that's one thing that I would highly recommend taking a closer look at. And stop trying to extract every penny out of your people um, for services or for, for, for items that really should be free at the end of the day if you can make it work. Figure out a way to make it work. And put it in place. If you have, if you want some more ideas or some more tips with regard to, you know, what firms are doing and how they're setting it up, uh, feel free to contact me about that, and I'll be more than happy to kind of walk you through some of those um, programs that companies are setting up. The other thing that I learned, and this is from the same company, they're they're actually a very dynamic firm. They're based in the Mid Atlantic states. Uh, it's an engineering firm. Uh, they do civil site de- site development. Um, they're growing by leaps and bounds. They're very easy to recruit for. Um, they have an outstanding work environment, very really open culture, like what I've been describing. Um, they, give, they have all these extra bonuses and bells and whistles. But another thing that they do is that individuals within the organization that have an interest towards, say, like triathlons or um, Tough Mudder events or just hiking or whitewater rafting or skiing, they have gotten these different individuals within the company to, um, to be the ones that will develop these trips uh, and these outings that the, that the company supports. In terms of, um, you know, getting everybody on board. So if I've got, you know, five people in my company that like skiing and I like skiing and I'm a leader in the company, well, one of the things that I will do is organize a ski trip and the company will fund a portion of that and the employees will pay for a portion. But the bottom line is at the end of the day, you give individuals within your organization a chance to come together. Based on a shared interest outside of the obvious identification of all working together within your organization. And a lot of times, that's how you build real relationships. Uh, It's more than just, you know, me and my colleague Ryan or Bill or anybody else that works here at Zwig, you know, just kind of coming in and seeing each other every day. But it's also us going out, maybe traveling together, maybe going to an event together. Uh, and spending time together. And so certainly want to encourage you to really think long and hard about ways that you can create opportunities to build that camaraderie. And again, that's also, once you do that and you set it up internally for your organization, it is something else that's sellable and attractive to potential people that you're bringing on board because you can bring them through and show them "Ah, that this is what we're doing. And we're taking a group to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and we're taking a group out to um, California to go surfing. We're taking a group to Baja, New Mexico, Baja, Mexico, you name it. All of these efforts make a difference. People are going to go on vacation anyway. You might as well create an opportunity for them to do that with folks on their team at work. And it's just a great building block for helping to grow strong, solid team units within your organization. The kind of units where, honestly, after, after a while, people will think long and hard about leaving that if they, they are recruited by somebody else. We recruit people all the time that aren't actively looking for a new opportunity. But we will, we will take time to put something in front of them that will compel them to want to at least hear about it. And Um, A lot of times we'll hear that, hey, I had a chance to look at that firm you told me about, but I really like where I am. I like the culture of my company. I like all the things that we're doing. And I always ask them, well, what are the things that are keeping you there at your company? And there are a lot of the little things that I just described uh, here uh, in this particular talk today. So I really want to encourage you to think long and hard about ways that you can revamp some of the things that you do internally at your organization, both for the people that you have right now on staff, right? So that's a retention sh- issue. How do you keep the people that you have happy? But then from a recruitment perspective, how do you entice or get those excited that don't work with you to come work with you? Not just because of all the great work that you're doing and all the cool projects that you're working on, but because of the overall cool company culture that you have and and because of some of those programs that I talked about feeding into that culture. Um, that's really what you want to do, And that's how you want to figure out a way to get things moving in the proper direction within your organization. And sometimes it takes a little trial and error. Um, sometimes it takes a, a, a leadership coming together and, you know, getting out a bunch of post-it notes and brainstorming some events that you um, that you can do uh, to to kind of drum up more interest within the organization and to build more more natural relationships. So you know, the, it, I'm not saying I'm not suggesting that what I'm talking about here on this webinar is going to happen overnight. But you've got to be intentional about setting this up. And if you know, and and we know firms that are like that that are just not intentional. They just wait until things happen. You you know, things will ultimately happen to you, and it will be in a negative way. Uh, you really want to go out and force the your, your, the issue and make things happen because in making things happen. New opportunities will present themselves that you will never you you would have never dreamed of before. So intentionality is certainly key in, in figuring out ways to make your organization a great place to work. Just remember that. Intentionality. Um, so when you talk about a great place to work, and 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 what that means, and and nowadays when we talk about this whole idea of the gig economy, and you know what's coming down the pike, and what you know what these what what is an engineering or architectural firm going to look like in the next five or ten years? I think it's going to look drastically different than what you see today, even though the services that you offer are going to be somewhat similar. Um, we talk a lot about at Zwag about growing entrepreneurs, right? Um, these are the people who could be in business for themselves. But they work for your organization and and why why do they work for your organizations because you create opportunities for them to grow uh, within their business, and so I think it 's really important. Um, for you to kind of think long and hard about whether or not you are fertile ground for growing these entrepreneurs, these people that, for all intents and purposes, could be out on their own. They're smart enough to do it. Maybe they've got some invest, some capital in, um, saved that they could go out and hang their own shingle and 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 compete with you. Um, but you want to create opportunities internally for these individuals to grow within your organization, um, as opposed to leaving you and becoming your competitor. Um, Self-esteem, when growing entrepreneurs, self-esteem is not eroded by being part of the organization, uh, but instead is enhanced uh, by being part of it. Uh, And I think it's important that you continue to grow those individuals in your organization that have desires to become bigger than where they are currently. And those, as we call them, entrepreneurs need fertile ground to do that. Um, Growing entrepreneurs gives you the ability to think creatively. It uh, allows those individuals to come up with new ideas, uh, to study feasibility options and to sell to management. Um, If you are growing entrepreneurs, you're basically telling them that, look, um, every opportunity is available to you to do your job as well as anything else that you think is a possibility for us to be doing uh, as an organization, maybe it's a line of business that we haven't even gotten into, but you have an experience in, and you know it's something that you want to try to lead the charge on. You want to be open to that. And I'm not saying that you're gonna go down every path that every employee um, uh, presents to you, but you need to be open to hearing what 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 these employees have to say, especially those that are really driven and that have those internal compasses that are constantly sending them true north. Um, to go look constantly for new opportunities. And then again, when growing entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs are rewarded in firms. You have to recognize them for who they are. You have to recognize them for the fact that these individuals could go out and and start their own um, organization or company and that you need to reward them for their diligence and for their effort. And then, you know, the other thing I want to mention is from our survey is that Almost two-thirds, 65% of firms offer some type of referral bonus. So, you know, you certainly want to encourage your people to go out. And we talked about relationships and and how if I'm I'm a a project manager at a firm and I go out and develop business, while I'm out there developing business, I also want to be out there looking for new talent to join the firm. And so, you know, it would be nice if your firm offered or thought about offering some type of referral bonus and You know, at the bottom there, if you notice in the asterisk, it says Mark Zweig is not a fan of these. Personally, I could go either way with them. I know a lot of firms that use them. I recently had a a client tell me that, you know, they had to pay $18,000 to one employee for finding, like, I think they got like $3,000 per uh, employee for a referral bonus. And they had referred six employees in one year. And so my client told me that he had to sit the guy down and say, look, I really appreciate your ability um, to bring in all these great people. And certainly we'd like for you to continue to do it. But I don't want that to be the only focus because you're also a great engineer. And so we kind of laughed about it. But the reality is, is that if you are going to set it up, you need to set up a solid program that's very clear about how a bonus is paid and um, you know what that bonus will be. We've heard as small as five hundred dollars Per placement, which is actually kind of small, the norm that we hear is anywhere from two thousand to five thousand dollars per individual, and a lot of it is related to the, um, the type of uh, a person that they're bringing on board. Maybe it's a very difficult uh, individual from uh, you know maybe a clean room mechanical engineer or some discipline um, that's really hard to find in the first place, and so it might be a sliding scale in terms of uh, what that referral bonus is going to be, but. You know that's just something to think about. Now, the reason why Mark Zweig is not a fan of these is simply put that if if if, if I if I'm working here at Zweig and we did a refer, if I had somebody um, that I thought would be appropriate here, and I was only going to present them to the company if I knew I was going to get a bonus out of it, or um, if I thought that you know this was that the, the company was going to be able to give me something out of it and then it doesn't work out, or maybe the person that I present to the company gets rejected, then in a way, I'm re- I'm being rejected, right? And so Mark is not a fan of these for that reason. He's not a fan of these because what if you do hire somebody that Bob referred and then they leave after six months. Well, that kind of makes Bob look bad. Um, it makes the client a little disappointed because they've given Bob this money. And you know, usually there's not a clawback feature on these referral bonuses, but there are a number of reasons why, I mean, the referral bonus can be a plus, but it can also be a minus depending on how you look at it. And we're not saying that you have to go either way, but we are saying we did a survey recently and, and two thirds of the firm surveyed offer referral bonuses. So take that um, with a grain of salt and govern yourselves accordingly as it pertains to referral bonuses. Uh, Another statistic that we found that we thought was really interesting was that three quarters of firms, 75% offer tuition and fee reimbursement. So if I come to work with you as a civil engineer and I want to go back and get my master's in, in civil engineering, um, you know, 75% of the firms that we we surveyed are taking care of tuition and fee reimbursement. Uh, most of the times it's based on whether or not the individual has um, uh, gotten a C or better or sometimes a B or better. Uh, it depends on the organization. So, you know, you, you can set yourselves up for that. And that's certainly is something that we would recommend. Um, piggybacking on that the whole tuition and fee reimbursement. Another way that we're talking about, and and I wrote an article recently about retention issues specifically in terms of making your firm a great place to work is the idea of setting up a um, a, a special um, benefit for your employees, both current as well as those that you try to bring on board to offer to pay a portion of their student loans. Average student loan debt right now in the United States is $35,000. Uh, and we are working actually with some firms right now that are implementing programs as a form of retention to use the paying off of student loans as a retention tool and as a recruiting tool. Because if I tell somebody, look, you know, I've just look, while I'm recruiting the individual and I say, look, if you don't mind me asking, you know, how much do you currently still have an outstanding student loan debt? You know, we hear all kinds of numbers. Some are into six figures, others are lower. But if I ask you that, you tell me, well, I still owe about $15,000. And I say to you, well, great, This this my client, the people that I'm talking to you about that are really interested in hiring you, um, not only will they hire you, not only will they give you a sign-on bonus or maybe, you know, give you the type of salary that you really want or maybe one that's much higher than what you're currently getting right now, but they have also agreed to pay either off a portion or all of your student loans over the course of the next fill-in-the-blank number of years, three to five years, five to eight years, eight to 10 years, it just depends. Um, you know, do you think that would be enticing to a candidate? Absolutely. Um, one of the big accounting firms, Price Waterhouses is already utilizing this successfully across the board whether they're doing it with kids coming right out of college that are joining PwC or whether they're doing it with um, accountants that are coming from some of the other um, big accounting firms to come work with them. It is a tremendous recruitment and retention tool uh, to be able to offer individuals um, that type of uh, benefit so just something to think about um, again I wrote an article about it I'll put a link to that article in um, in the in the in the sheet that I'm going to share with you in a few minutes and you'll be able to see that information but uh, it's really it's really good it's really timely and it certainly is a way to build retention with most people that you encounter because just about everybody that I run across has some form of student loan debt. Um, I mean, there are people my age and their mid forties that still have student loan debt. So you'd be surprised. There's still a lot of it out there and it may be a way for you to attract and and retain a really good uh, employee. So just something to think about. The other, another aspect of a great place to work, and this is not something that we talk about all the time. I know Mark Zweig likes to talk about it, but you know, you, you hear the expression D and I, which stands for diversity and inclusion. And most major companies, um, all Fortune five hundred companies, have D and I departments or diversity and inclusion departments, which either are a section or a segment of HR, or it's its own separate entity within the organization. Um, and, and, you know, our, our idea here is that, um, you know, diversity and inclusion is key to helping to avoid monothink. Right. If you get if everybody that works with you, you guys are all from the same place. Sometimes that does stifle growth. And sometimes it, it's, it's you know, you need to add some diversity to your organization in order to maybe see some real growth happen or just see some new ideas Be implemented, and I'm not suggesting that you guys go out and wholesale change everything overnight. But just take a long, hard look at it, and what would that look like? And we're seeing more and more firms in the design industry that are becoming um, uh, browner, more yellow. Uh, You, it just depends. Um, The bottom line is, and and I know for some this is a a delicate topic, uh, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be tongue in cheek with it, but it's just the idea that you know, it's just. You know, engineering and architectural architects, architects, engineering firms and architectural firms. Excuse me, uh, are, are not exclusive clubs. You get a, you're getting a lot of talent out there from all walks of life, from all creeds and colors that have tremendous talent. And we've actually seen some clients that are just well, they look like the United Nations. And you know, at the end of the day, their their the revenue is is like the gross domestic product of some small countries. They're doing so well. And I'm not saying that is exclusively because of diversity and inclusion, but I, I'm certainly saying I believe that attribute that that um, that um, ac- absolutely attributes to their success. So it's something to think about. Uh, and it's not something we as an organization get into a whole lot of deep discussion on. But it is certainly an observation that we make, especially when we do strategic planning. Uh, When we come in and help firms with their business plan or we come in and look at the makeup of an organization, we certainly will make recommendations and we don't beat around the bush as far as that's concerned, but we certainly give you helpful advice uh, with regard to that. Now, now, this would normally be the time when we would do some Q&A, and certainly you guys that are watching this um, at the time that this is posted, whether on YouTube or through um, GoToMeeting, you can ask yourself some internal questions, or you can go online and post some questions using the hashtag BBRWebinar. Uh, you can also um, uh, use the hashtag Zweig Group. Um, and we'll be more than happy to uh, share and answer any questions that you have. And as always, you'll be able to reach out to me um, and find out more about, um, about this whole process and whatever questions that we can answer. Um, finally, here's the tip sheet that we have. It's http colon forward slash forward slash bit.ly forward slash tips. That's the tip sheet that we created, and that sheet um, will give you access to all of the things that I talked about in this particular conversation and information on how to reach out to myself uh, and others on the team, how to reach out to my organization, and just uh, it'll give you a a way to ask any question that you want to ask. I'm also asking everybody that is watching this whether you're watching it and you're actually actively participating in this whole Becoming a Better Recruiter webinar series, or you're an employee of uh, an employer within the design industry and you happen upon this video on YouTube, or you hear about the podcast and you're listening to the podcast, uh, we would love for you to fill out this. Very, very short employer survey. Um, we are doing some informa- we are doing some due diligence and uh, a survey of employers in the design industry. And we will share with you all of our findings once the survey is completed. And you can find that information at http colon forward slash forward slash bit.ly forward slash AEC employer. Uh, if you could fill out that employer survey, we'd really, really appreciate it. And we will run this um, over the next three episodes of Becoming a Better Recruiter so that you can take part in that. Um, next Up next, we're going to do session number four. It um, won't be till the end of this month. We've got uh, an event coming up in uh, Phoenix on the 22nd and 23rd uh, of September. That is our hot firm and, and uh, best firm to work for event. And we'd certainly encourage you. There's still some space to join us. In Phoenix at the Biltmore Hotel. I think the hotel sold out, but we do have other options. And if you're interested in be- being a part and rubbing shoulders with uh, some of your peers in the industry that are really, really successful, uh, we'd love for you to be a part of that. Uh, if you're listening to this on podcast after the 23rd or you're watching this on video after the 23rd of September, never fear. Just connect with us and we'll let you know all about the Hot Firm event next year. Um, and I don't know where it's going to be held yet, but it will be, um, uh, it'll be, you know, we'll have a lot, uh, lot in store for you if you want to become part of that um, dialogue in terms of what the, the best firms are doing in our industry. Uh, but session four is going to be fun. Knowing your numbers, your KPIs, your key performance indicators. I cannot wait to talk about that. We're really going to spend some time getting into the numbers. So for all of you data wonks, All you analytical people, you're going to enjoy session number four of Becoming a Better Recruiter, Uh, and that will be rolled out on the 29th of September, and we we probably are not going to do a live webinar. We will just go right to record it and put it up so that it is available to you. If you have questions about knowing and understanding your, your numbers when it comes to recruitment and retention in your organization, please reach out to me. Uh, before this event comes up uh, and before we record session number four and we'll uh, try to include some of your questions in there. Um, Again, here's the upcoming webinar schedule and as you can see, uh, know your numbers is September 29th and then October 13th is successful interviews and and even better offers. And then finally on November 3rd, we're going to do social media and mobile recruiting. And for those of you that have never thought about um, why social media is important when it comes to recruiting. We're certainly going to try to open your eyes during that um, that particular webinar. So, really excited. We I can't believe we're we're basically halfway through this webinar series already. Um, to me, it's probably one of the best opportunities for you to get some basic information to help you plan as you as you plan to grow your organization, both on a recruiting side as well as on a um, retention side. So. Um, you know, that, that is something that's, that's really important. So, you know, we certainly want to encourage you now. Uh, lastly, I want to thank you for participating uh, w- on this webinar. Again, if you want to continue the discussion about recruitment and retention online, use the hashtags BBR webinar and hashtag ZWEIG group. And that is Z-W-E-I-G group. We will respond to anything posted on social media on this topic. Um, You can check us out on Facebook. You can check us out on Twitter. Again, I'm Randy Wilburn. You can reach me anytime uh, at 617-828-9093. Be sure when you call to mention that, hey, I saw you on the BBR webinar series um, and I'd love to chat with you. I need some help with whatever. Just call me anytime. My email is rwilburn at zweiggroup.com. And I'm also at Randy Wilburn on Twitter. Would love to chat with you. Check me out. I'm also at Randy Wilburn on Snapchat and at Randy Wilburn on Instagram. So uh, I share a lot of information about recruitment and retention across all of those social media portals. So would love to talk with you. Would love to meet up with you. I certainly um, hope you've enjoyed this and I look forward to seeing you again uh, for session number four, knowing your numbers and understanding recruiting KPIs or key performance indicators. I'll see you then. Take care.
1: Thanks for tuning in to this Zwig Letter podcast exclusive. We hope that you can apply Mark's no holds barred advice to your daily professional life. For a free transcript of this or any episode of our podcast, please visit info.zwiggroup.com/podcast. If you want more wisdom and inspiration, in addition to information about finance, HR, and marketing your firm, subscribe to the print or digital version of the Zwig Letter online at zwiggroup.com com slash publications